I like it. I mean, it's it's not my favorite Peter Gabriel song. Uh, I, I was trying to think earlier because I knew we were going to record, and I, I I wanted to decide what my favorite Peter Gabriel song is, and that's a really tough call because he has songs for almost any mood. But it, it's enjoyable. I understand why it was a hit. Um, it, it it's kind of there with Sledgehammer for me. Of, mm. It it. It's it's kind of poppy, rocky, upbeat music that's enjoyable to listen to. Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link. And this week we're going to be talking about an album track from Peter Gabriel that Kate Bush sang on called Games Without Frontiers. about this song and the other songs that Kate Bush sang with Peter Gabriel is none other than... Hello there, I'm Andrew Link, returning to once again spoil Cecily's podcast (laughs) with my controversial opinions. Well, you mean that everything that Kate Bush has done is not completely gold or something like that? Is that what you mean? I have no idea. I just was trying to give myself a more interesting intro. Okay. Well, yes, this is my husband, Andrew Link, resident Peter Gabriel fan, and we are recording this on a rather balmy August day in 2018, and this is probably going to go out when it's not so balmy outside. I think I have this projected to go out in November or something like that. Balmy is one way to put it. I have a few other descriptions which aren't quite so polite for the Virginia August. Yeah, I know. leave it there. Although... However, this song, though, was not released in any kind of balmy weather, really. You might just say, I think I'd rather be pissing on goons in the jungle right now. (laughs) At least I feel like it is. Yeah, it it really does feel like a jungle out there. It's a jungle and it's a knockout. I'm sorry, do I need to change that line to (laughs) kissing baboons in the jungle so that you can release this? Oh, probably. Because, you know, radio. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so today we're going to be talking about... The song Games Without Frontiers. I thought it was called War Without Tears. No, it's Games Without Frontiers. War Without Tears. <laughs> or Je Sans Frontières. See, that's why you're here, because I can't pronounce French. So you're here to say that line over and over. Yes, I am. I say the rest of it. So today we're talking about Games Without Frontiers, which is really more of a Peter Gabriel song, but our lovely Kate Bush 
contributed background vocals, some very ghostly background vocals in French, no more, nonetheless. I'm going to definitively say it's more of a Peter Gabriel song, seeing as it's a Peter Gabriel song from yes, it is. album three, also known as Melt. Yeah, very. So this was not just an album track, it was also a single. Um, the single was released on February 9th, 1980. And in fact, it was said album, Melt's uh, lead single. And then the album itself was released on May 22nd, 1980. And it's known as Melt because one, Peter Gabriel couldn't come up with any other creative album titles other than just his name. And no, it was an artistic <laughs> endeavor. But it's Melt because of the album cover because it shows half his face like melting in a weird Well, if kind looks of thing. could kill, they probably will. So. Yeah, yeah, that look definitely could kill. <laughs> It was, an, it was an entire artistic per- process. The whole idea, uh, was it Peter Gabriel or David Bowie who was talking about the, the concept that you would have albums as like a magazine where mm. you would each... Each each month, you don't go out and say, I'm going to buy the Space Station magazine. I'm going to go out and buy the Aeroplanes magazine. No, you say, I'm going to go buy Popular Science. And whatever is on the cover is just whatever it is for that month. So in the same way, you would go, I'm going to go get the new Peter Gabriel. And it's just an issue of the Peter Gabriel magazine, essentially. I don't know for sure if that was the Peter Gabriel who came up with that concept. It might have been David Bowie or one of those other artsy people from the 70s and 80s. Yep. But that's the idea behind it, that you're going for the artist, not for the album. It's very true. So this was actually his very first top 10 hit in the UK. Now, it only reached number 48, though, in the United States because we apparently did not want to play this as much as the UK people did. Well, admittedly, it doesn't resonate as much for us since we don't know. It is true. And you know, we we'll, don't know we'll the get TV show based on. Yeah, we'll get into that with the lyrics. As I go hang my head in shame. And in fact, an interesting thing about this song. So, of course, Kate was on. We're talking about this on a Kate Bush podcast because Kate Bush sang the backing vocals. She sang Je Sans Frontières, which means Games Without Frontiers, literally Games Without Frontiers. And we'll get into, like, lyrically, like, okay, what are we talking about there? Uh, Interesting thing, this was his first UK top 10 hit as a solo artist, and actually his biggest solo hit to date. His first two albums were distributed in the US by Atlantic Records, but they rejected his third album, which had this track on it, um, telling Gabriel that he was committing, quote, commercial suicide. So Atlantic dropped him, but tried to buy the album back when Games Without Frontiers took off as a UK top 10 hit <laughs> and then started getting some slow airplay in the US, probably on more of the modern rock stations, I would assume. At this point, Gabriel wanted nothing to do with Atlantic and let Mercury Records distribute the album in America. Really? <laughs> oh, record, co- record company troubles. <sighs> He's not the first one to come across those. <sighs> so... So that's the story with uh, Games Without Frontiers. And our lovely Kate is singing in the background on this song. So Rather accidentally. Yes. In fact, yeah, rather rather by, mis- by uh, kind of happenstance here. Uh, how she came to sing on this song. This is from Under the Ivy, which is 
a biography by Graham Thompson. You guys, if you've been following the show, you might remember I talked with Graham Thompson actually last summer <laughs> at this time, but then the episode got released in like January. It was right around my birthday earlier this year, actually, where I got to talk with Graham Thompson doing a transatlantic call from Virginia to Scotland. And when he wrote about Games Without Frontiers, Graham, that is, he says, quote, although Bush has several times displayed an uncanny knack of narrowing in on artists she admires and is far from reticent about approaching them to work with her, it's unlikely to have been quite as calculated as it seems. After all, it was the tragedy of Bill Duffield's death. You guys might remember, oh yeah, Bill Duffield, he was her lighting engineer for her tour. He died in an accident right before the tour started and they did a big um, tribute concert for him partway through her tour uh, that had initially brought them together. It's certainly true, however, that in Gabriel, she saw an artist whose sense of experimentation, use of new technology, and ability to tackle non-traditional lyrical themes, all marshaled within a broad pop sensibility, matched her ambitions for her own music. Quote, the only person I've met who is really into the same kind of approach to playing as I have is Peter, she said. He's going for emotional content of the music and lyrics and he changes his voice. Unquote. It was only a matter of time before they recorded with one another. During the Never Forever sessions, Bush was invited into the townhouse studios to sing on Gabriel's third album, often known as Melt due to its distinctive cover image, adding atmosphere backing vocals to I Don't Remember, No Self-Control, and most significantly, Games Without Frontiers, on which she was something of a last-minute addition. Quote, We had someone else sing the Je Sans Frontières line on Games Without Frontiers, and we realized that their accent wasn't so great, recalls uh, Gabriel's music producer, Lily White, who, by the way, refuses to name the singer who was replaced. She just doesn't want anyone to know that it was actually... Um... Paul Simon. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> or Phil Collins. <laughs> or any number of other people who any sound number. like Peter. Uh, so Peter, quote, so Peter decided to ask Kate down. It was fantastic. She was this wonderful sort of hippie chick. She had that song, Wow. And I remember her saying, wow, all the time. And I thought, well, that's why she wrote that song. Because that's what she says. I just remember sitting around smoking joints with her and having a good time. It was easy, really. No more than half an hour in the studio. Don't you love those stories of something that only takes half an hour and then it becomes iconic? (sighs) Seriously. Oh, Clearly I'm doing something wrong with my life that everything I do, you know, is taking months and years to create. I should be doing things that only take 20 minutes. Yeah. Kind of like... yourself, I'm going to the store to buy some paint to do splatter paintings starting tonight. Have fun with that. I don't know where we have any room in the house to do that, but have fun with that, honey. I'll do it in the garage, and when the spiders crawl into the paint, it'll just be part of my inspiration. (laughs) So, there you go. That's how Kate Bush got involved with this song. She was a last-minute replacement. Apparently didn't take any more than 20 minutes in the studio, and then, hey, they all sat around and smoked some Mary Jane afterwards, because, as we all know, she was a stoner. Well, you know, the the things you do for art... I guess. I suppose. They probably watched a lot of television, too. They probably did. In fact, TV, why are we suddenly talking about TV when it comes to this song? Because I'm an idiot. (laughs) You are, 
What? No, you are not an idiot. Honey, I do liked, not say that. I have liked Peter Gabriel for years. I have listened to this <laughs> song for years. I, I, I have. I am in the shameful position where I can literally say I've been a Peter Gabriel minor fan for a decade. Oh my God, I hate being able to say that, but it is true. It is I know because my first year teaching, I was I played Peter Gabriel during Homeroom. Thank you, did. Found. A, several of his albums and really liked them um so ugh, i'm old uh but i did not know until TikTok, TikTok two hours ago <laughs> that this song was based on a tv show indeed it was please enlighten the listeners okay as i was enlightened <laughs> i'm gonna go bang my head against a wall and feel ashamed no please don't do that honey okay so the song's title <laughs> He is not actually banging his head on the wall. He's banging his head on some random plastic Tupperware things. She's lying to you. No, I am not. Yes, she is. I was banging my hand on it, not my head. Yes, he was banging his hand on there. Anyway, so this song's title refers to Jeux Sans Frontières, a long-running TV show broadcast in several European countries in which teams of residents representing a town or city in one of the participating countries would compete in games of skill while frequently dressed in bizarre costumes. While some games were simple races, others allowed one team to obstruct another. The British version was titled It's a Knockout, which Gabriel references in the It's a knockout. Also of note, the album version of the song includes the line, Whistling tunes we piss on the goons in the jungle. You mean you're walking around in Virginia outside in August. Got it. Pretty much. And when it was released as a single, that line was changed to whistling tunes were kissing baboons in the jungle. Well, I mean, the, the, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, both lines are used in the original song, but for the radio edit, they took the... Uh, kissing baboons from the first uh, or from the earlier verse and then they just dubbed it and reused oh, yeah. it because the, uh, he initially does say kissing baboons and then they then in the later verse it's pissing, oh, yeah. on, pissing on goons and mm-hmm. they just doubled up the that line in order to make it more radio acceptable pretty much so that is what ga- so Games Without Frontiers is referring referencing a TV show. Who knew? Yeah, uh, and in the brief time that I spent looking up this TV show, it yeah, it basically looks like you know those imported from Japan contest shows where people like run through weird you know piles of padded obstacles and you know knock each other into mud pits and things like that. So. Um, okay, fun. Not really my thing, although I, I I wouldn't mind if they brought it back and made celebrities compete in it. <laughs> that would be really funny to watch. And since we're talking about the shows that this song was inspired by, here's the theme from Je Sans Frontières, followed by the theme from the British version, It's a Knockout. <laughs>
In fact, I hear that there actually used to be a thing in America that was similar. Um, now, I'm talking totally just like off, off the side of my head on this. But uh, I hear there was a show called Battle of the Network Stars where... It sounds vaguely familiar. It was similar, except in different... Instead of being different uh, countries competing, it was like your stars from Matlock versus your stars from Beverly Hills 90210. And, and it was, yes, I know all of you listeners who have actually heard of this are screaming at me right now. I have only heard of this show in the terms of it was uh, proposed on an episode of The Incomparable that this mm. be brought back as a hilarious uh, way of kind of calming everyone down about, you know, ABC versus CVS versus NBC. Uh, and I believe I said CVS. So I guess we have to get Walgreens involved in this. <laughs> CVS. <laughs> so yeah, that's what it's referring to. And it works with the lyrics, which seem to be about international diplomacy and the way that people act world leaders act with each other is very much like a children's game what you're staring at me weirdly why are you staring at me weirdly <sighs> my mama always taught me to not say anything if i didn't have anything nice to say <laughs> oh right so yeah um it's it, it is an interesting metaphor um and Oddly and en- oddly enough, it still works. Ah, we're not going to get diet coke. We're not going to get political here, but I'm just going to say that 38 years later, that this song is somehow still relevant. I'm running out of knockoff diet so. coke. Mmm, <laughs> so. delicious. When I first heard this song, I, I will say though, okay. serious. Um, that that is not. Um, the only time I've seen something like that proposed as a metaphor, even used in a novel. Um, uh, British listeners might will probably be familiar with uh, uh, Ian M. Banks, also known as Ian Banks. Um, he wrote uh, literary fiction and sci-fi. And in one of his books, I want to say it was Surface Detail... Uh, so Ian Banks described a science fiction war in which uh, the different uh, cultures were arguing over whether um, uploaded consciousnesses should be uh, preserved forever or whether they should be deleted or whether they should be put into virtual heavens and hells. Uh, and in the course of this uh, the the cultures at odds decided that instead of having an actual interstellar war and actually you know blowing up whole solar systems, they would instead um, have a virtual fight. And sometimes these virtual fights would take uh, the form of games, and sometimes they would take mm. the form of actual battles, and sometimes they would be represented as like viruses versus retroviruses. And they would uh, engage in this virtual war over a series of uh, predetermined games, essentially. And the winner of the games would win the, uh, the, the actual dispute. Um, this is, of course, a work of fiction, but 
it's a it's an interesting idea mm-hmm. uh, also not terribly far off from some things presented in say ender's game and other sci-fi novels i'll stop talking about sci-fi now and let you continue with the rest of this story about <laughs> Kate bush and how she came to sing yeah so but also i forgot another little interesting tidbit about this song that when it got released it uh rose to number four that was its peak on the uk charts went to number four in march of 1980 so um, it was right before Peter Gabriel's album was released and certainly uh, about six months before Never Forever was in stores because Never Forever was released in September of that year. Well, interesting little other little tidbit about this song is that uh, this is from Under the Ivy. So much wonderful information, Under the Ivy. Quote, around the same time, EMI, who is... Kate Bush's um, record label, asked Bush and her producer Kelly if they could hear some of the new Never Forever material, and they traveled to the A&R department at Manchester Square. Bush was keen not to let the company suits into her domain, which would end up being a very common occurrence throughout her career, uh, to play four uh, songs. I allow the suits in here. <laughs> uh, I need to... Piano's not on. Yeah, no, piano's not on. Okay. Um, to play four songs, including Babushka, Breathing, and Army Dreamers, all lined up as potential singles. Quote, they were happy, Kelly recalls, and as they were making idle chat at the end, one of them said, have you heard that new Peter Gabriel song? And someone else said, yeah, that woman. I can't understand what the hell she's singing. Kate looked at me and we both struggled not to laugh. Poor bloke. Didn't know it was her. I wonder how he felt when he found out. <laughs> As if you're listening to this song, Games Without Frontiers, and she gets to the Je Sans Frontières part, and you can't tell that it's Kate singing. I mean, I was not especially um, aware of it being Kate initially, even though you're into Kate. I mean, obviously you're into Kate. Of course, or otherwise I wouldn't be doing this project! Yes. <laughs> but... I, I will fully admit, darling, I was one of those people who um, honestly was thinking, why the hell is there a woman saying, she's so popular in the background of this song? <laughs> I, I really thought that until you pointed out that it was Kate Bush and uh, told me it was the French translation of the title. That's okay, honey. It's like all those people who didn't understand the French part of the song Michelle by the Beatles. There's a part in that song that he goes into French. And there are so many misheard lyrics for that section from people going, Oh, that's French. Well, no wonder this didn't seem to make much sense to me. I'm sorry. I've just got Louis Louis playing in my head right now. We gotta go. So anyway... So another little tidbit about that song is that even the company suits did not know that it was her singing. Because they're the suits. They just don't understand. Yep. So anyway, so what do you think of this song? I like it. I mean, it's it's not my favorite Peter Gabriel song. Uh, I, I was trying to think earlier because I knew we were going to record, and I I, I wanted to, 
decide what my favorite Peter Gabriel song is, and that's a really tough call because he has songs for almost any mood. But it, it's enjoyable. I understand why it was a hit. Um, it, it, it's kind of there with Sledgehammer for me. Of mm. it, it, it's, it's kind of poppy, rocky, upbeat music that's enjoyable to listen to. Um, it has, you know, that minor political element with uh and I, I don't know i'm saying minor as a political element i always thought that it was a highly political song until mm-hmm. two hours ago when i realized that it's also referencing a tv show so mm-hmm. in that way it's i mean i mean so overall i like the song um I'm, I'm not going to dive in and say that it's the most important song ever written but i enjoy it um there's some interesting uh, interesting choices in the names that we mm-hmm. that I imagine we're about to get into. Yep. Uh, so, uh, other than that, I mean, it's very simple. It, it... Yeah, he uses a lot of international... He uses a, a mixture of different ethnic names. Mm-hmm. I mean, Han, Hans... I say Hans because I actually have an Uncle Hans. So well, he also Hans, sings at Hans. Hans plays with Lottie. Lottie plays with Jane. Jane plays with Willie. Willie is happy again. Suki plays with Lily. Leo. Sasha plays with Britt. Adolf builds a bonfire and Rico plays with it. So another admission from this supposed Peter Gabriel fan. What's that? I had never actually read the lyrics before. I had just listened to it. And I thought the line was, and Rico plays with it. Oh my god, I thought that was it. I thought it was too. And Rico plays with it. No, it's Enrico. But it's Enrico, like... According to some articles I was reading earlier this afternoon, might be a a, a reference to an Enrico who worked on the uh, Atomic Bomb Project. Oh! Which would tie nicely with uh, Adolf builds Mm -hmm. the bonfire, then Mm -hmm. Enrico plays with it. it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Enrico might be referring to Enrico Fermi, who is sometimes called the architect of the nuclear age. Let's see. He was the creator of the first nuclear reactor and was involved in the Manhattan Project to build the first nuclear bomb, which Ah. ties perfectly with the line, Adolf builds the bonfire, Enrico Mm -hmm. plays with it. So. Yeah. Hans plays with Lottie, Lottie plays with Jane, Jane plays with Willie, Willie is happy again, Suki plays with Leo, Sasha plays with Brit, Adolf builds a bonfire, Enrico plays with it. See, I always thought of that line with obviously, I hear Adolf, I go right to Hitler. And Enrico is an Italian name, and it makes me think of fascism. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know it was Benito, not Enrico, but it's still it's an Italian name. So it makes me think of that that line Adolf builds a bonfire, Enrico plays with it. Like that the Italian guys just kind of the the Italian leaders just going along with whatever whatever Hitler is doing. Oh yeah, Lin Tai Yu. I had no idea that that, that that's what he was saying either. 
for later on. Andre has a red flag. Chung, Chings, and Blue. They all Chai have and Chings. Chayan, Chings, and Blue. Even they all have hills to fly on them except for Lin Taiyu. Yeah, dressing up in costumes, playing silly games, hiding out in treetops, shouting out rude names. Mm-hmm. It's totally like the way like um, world leaders calling each other names, and I'm not going to cite specific things here because this is not a political podcast. Andre has a red flag. Cheyenne Chings is blue. They all have hills to fly them on, except for Lin Taiyu. Dressing up in costumes. Playing silly games, hiding out in treetops, shouting out rude names. So some of those names there in verse two, uh, they they do have specific references. Um, you know, Andre has a red flag uh, is probably, uh, according to this website I'm looking at, uh, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, genius.com. Uh, this is probably referring to Andre Malro, who wrote a book called Man's Fate, about a uh, failed communist insurrection. I figured it was a communist reference, read communism. Yep, it uh, it was a failed communist insurrection in Shanghai in 1927. Ah. It was the subject of that book. And uh, Chayan Shing is uh, almost certainly referring to... Okay, uh... well, this says here from this, uh, Chayan Ching is referring to Ch- Chiang Kai-shek. Andre yes. probably refers to Andre Malho, the author of the book Man's Fate. Yeah, and uh, the, the connection there would be that Chiang Kai-shek was the uh, political and military leader uh, in the Republic of China between 1928 and 1975. So... Uh, that would definitely pair up with the time of uh, man's fate uh, or mm-hmm. the, the revolution that that is describing. And then the next line, they all have hills to fly them on except for Lin Tai Yu. Yes, well, yes. Uh, while the politicians in the last lines have hills or sovereign territory, individual people like Lin Tai Yu, the protagonist of the story Dream of the Red Chamber, are simply caught in the middle. That definitely sounds like it makes sense. And uh, Dream of the Red Chamber was an 18th century Chinese novel. It's also referred to as a dream of red mansions. And Lin Tai Yu, or as it's also spelled, Lin Dai Yu, is depicted as beautiful and proud, but naive and lovelorn. And then the, la- the next two lines, dressing up in costumes, playing silly games, hiding out in treetops... Shouting out rude names. Continuing on with the theme of adult politicians acting childish. Mm. This line reinforces the fact that if you take a step back and remove the power of the institutions associated with uniforms, these politicians playing with life and death are just playing one huge game. Yeah, well, and that's a common theme that's popped up in, you know, literature and songs for forever. I mean, hell, you can go back to... Gulliver's travels when you had uh, the the Lilliputians fighting with the the people of the other island, and you know they had all of their their little tiny tables that they would uh, plan out their arguments on. All of these tiny politicians. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, and then I love that the, on the the part with whistling tunes that it's like, oh yeah, like it sounds like people marching through the jungle on their way to go fight a battle, and it sounds all pretty and happy. And I really, I really like on Genius here with with the whistling tunes. We piss on the goons in the jungle. Somebody put in here that that line we piss on the goons in the jungle indicates a lack of respect on the part of political players in the industrialized world for natives of less developed countries. I had never thought of that, but that totally works. Uh, when I first heard this, I can't actually I can't remember the first time I heard this. It was probably on Shaking the Tree, which was one of Peter Gabriel's compilation albums of all his different hits. I found it for super cheap while waiting for a friend um, at the Amtrak station in DC, waiting for her to come in. And I remember liking this one. I um, I liked the little bit of French in there. Duh, I'm a Francophile. So of course I want to like anything that's randomly in French in an otherwise English song. And definitely some of the, I, I, I th like, like with you, I thought, okay, this is kind of pop. This is a little bit poppy. This is catchy. Didn't really dig too much into lyrics until I decided to do this show and realized, oh, wait, Kate sang on this song. I'm going to have to talk about it. <laughs> oh, that's the suffering of having to talk about a Peter Gabriel song. Oh, seriously. But I think that actually, unlike a lot of music of the time, I think that the song production-wise holds up pretty well. Oh, absolutely. It, uh, in some ways, you can kind of tell it was a little bit like kind of late 70s, early 80s. But I think for the most part, like 90% of it could be played now. It just would have to be balanced a little differently. I mean, the balance is a little bit different. And it, it it's hard to divorce this song from it being Peter Gabriel. Mm -hmm. Just the overall feel of it is so experimental. I mean, it's 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 so much about his voice and him doing his you know kind of not talk singing but he he does peter gabriel has this way of projecting where he, he really starts strong on words mm -hmm. and, and it's not a william shatner or rex harrison talk singing but he really pushes from the beginning of a word and that it's so hard to remove him from the song um it's also a little bit weird. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all we've gone through the lyrics already. Mm -hmm. And which include references that would be lost on a lot of the songwriter people I work with. Well, yes. <laughs> it's you need footnotes. It's an odd song and I don't know that you can pull Peter Gabriel from it, so in that way it locks it into the 80s or this song. Yeah, 80s. Early 80s. But but it doesn't sound dated. I mm -mm. could hear Peter, Peter Gabriel releasing this song this year. Well, I think that about wraps it up with uh, Games Without Frontiers. What do you think? I, I think you're trying to get rid of me. Well, no, because you're going to be back for other... You're going to be back for Don't Give Up. Okay, I won't give up. Yeah, please don't give up. 
You still have friends. You still have me. I have friends? Yes, you do. You have I'm, You have one sitting right across from you. I didn't know I had any friends. Mm -hmm. You do. Isn't that wonderful? You have friends. I need to go process this. And I know you can make it good. <laughs> okay. But anyway, that'll be the next song you get to talk with me about. I mean, it's not going to be for a while. It looks but... kill. Then I know they definitely would. <laughs> anyway. Well, thank you so much for coming up here and talking about Games Without Frontiers with me. Thank Always you. happy to be on and hope that your audience doesn't mind me showing up. I don't think so. Good. Hee hee hee. Because they're stuck with me. Well, thank you so much for being here. And we'll see everybody next week for... I need to look at my thing here. I'm not quite sure which one comes next. Because this is toward the end of the season. Hey. We'll see everybody next week for another fantastical song. Which Cecily will either talk about alone with me or with somebody via the internet. Ah. So we'll see everybody next week for the... Finally, second to last song for this season. There are so many collaborations and B-sides this season. This is like the longest season yet. Um, the next song I'm going to be talking about is a little tune that Kate Bush sang with Roy Harper and David Gilmore called You. And yes. so we'll see everybody next week for Me. talking about the second to last song. No, not you, honey. Sorry. The song You. <laughs> hey, we'll see everybody next week for the song You. See everybody then. If you have a favorite Kate Bush song that you would like to talk about for a future episode, or if you know something about this week's song, that we didn't get to in our discussion, here's where you can contact me. You can contact me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Kate Bush podcast. You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash strange Kate cast. And also on the web, kbcast.linkmedia.com. That's link with an E and email kbcast at linkmedia.com. As mentioned right before I started doing this tag here, join us next week for the second to last song of the Never Forever season. I'm super excited to be getting through this season. I've enjoyed talking about Never Forever songs, but I'm ready for the dreaming. And we're going to be talking about the Roy Harper collaboration, You. See everybody next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 